Welcome to Lethal Lullabies, the podcast that takes you on a relaxing journey into the action-packed world of your favorite films. This is the finale of our four-part retelling of the latest Predator film, Prey. Thank you for joining us on this tranquil trek in pursuit of restful nights and alien predators. If you like what you're hearing, please follow and rate the show. It really helps us out. Next week, we drift off to the exploits of one of the world's greatest heroes. Breezing through Marvel movie after Marvel movie, this sleeper agent for S.H.I.E.L.D. finally got her very own film. And we can't wait to send you to bed with the story. But first, we need to put to bed this week's film. There's danger and dreams around every corner. Let's breathe with Naru as she puts her prey to sleep. In and out. And another in out. In. blade and get ready for lethal lullabies sedator pray for sleep part four Tabe takes off into the woods to retrieve horses to aid in their hunt, while Naru returns to the foreigner's camp to save Sari and salvage what she can. There, she discovers two men who are not too eager to give up Naru's beloved pet. She knows these men won't hesitate 
to put her to sleep. So she leaps at them, graceful but deadly. They try to keep up, but Naru evades each of their attacks and circles back with an attack of her own. She keeps moving, flowing like water all around the men, knocking them back until the first one falls asleep. Then the second, a final hunter, rushes out from the woods in a mad dash to put Naru to sleep. But the man is completely outmatched. Naru tucks him into bed with a quick toss of her hatchet. Then she frees Sari and asks her beloved companion to go help Tabe. Now alone, Naru utilizes the momentary peace to tend to her own wounds. All this effort has made her very tired. She will need to stay focused in order to face the Mupits. Her skilled hand and clever medicine work wonders on her battered body. The translator from before wanders into camp. He has only one leg now, and his eyes struggle to stay open. He watches Nadu caring for her wounds and longs for the same relief. He asks, please help me. Naru barters her help for information on the man's gun. Although they had not pierced the Mupitz's shield, Naru knows this weapon could make a difference if she could just find the right opening. As Nadu applies a salve to the man's wounds, he tells her the steps for firing the gun. First, you add powder to the gun. Next, you add the ball and the cloth. Take the stick 
tap it in four times. He shows her the taps. One, two, three, four. And that's it. Naru nods and feeds the man some orange tutsia for his pain. It slows his heart and cools his blood. All around, the world seems to be slowing down. Thud, thud, thud. Slow, heavy footsteps move through the camp. The man's body feels like it is resting under a blanket of snow. He searches his surroundings, but Naru is gone. There's a click from somewhere nearby. The translator knows this sound. He closes his eyes and pretends he has fallen asleep. Nadu watches from afar as the Mupits walks into camp. She expects the predator will instantly seek out the fallen translator. Even with the orange Tutsia slowing his breath and cooling his body. He is not a great performer. And yet, the Mupits takes no notice of the man. Naru takes this in for a second. This creature was able to find her and Itsy while they were perfectly hidden among the tall blades of grass. But now, as the predator stands directly next to its prey, it seems as if the Mupits cannot detect him at all. The Mupits' sight must be different than her own. Naru thinks somehow the orange Tutsia is hiding the translator, shrouding him in the perfect guise of sleep. A plan begins to form in Naru's mind. Sari's bark off in the distance draws the Mupitsu's attention. Walking towards the joyful bark, 
the creature steps right onto the remaining leg of the translator. Duzia or no, he can no longer maintain his facade of sleep. He cries out and is then instantly sliced. The Mupitz trains his glowing lights on the approaching pup. The beam emanates from his helmet. The Mupitz is getting very tired of all the creatures down here on this planet. Although these beings put up a larger fight than he first expected, in the end, even the ones with guns could not put him to sleep. So now, before he can finally retire, he must snuff out the remaining fighters and then rest his head on his comfy pillow back in his spaceship. His arrow shooter powers up, but as he fires, Tabe returns on horseback and knocks the Mupitz's mask to the ground. The arrow flies free from his gauntlet and traces through the air, bending towards the light pulsing from the Mupitz's fallen mask. Naru takes in the Mupitz's true face. His jaw swings open with pinchers like a cute little beetle as he lets out a click-filled roar. Naru and Tabe have not discussed this phase of the plan, but their thoughts are completely in sync. Like the hunting party that set off together in search of their fallen friend, Naru and Tabe become one united Adversary. Tabe circles the Mupits, pulling his attention and landing blows when he can. Meanwhile, Naru prepares her gun, just as the translator showed her, finishing with the one, two, Three, 
four. Tap, tap, tap of the stick. Her gun is ready and she has her opening. Naru's mind is present and steady. She breathes deep in. And then out. And then pulls the trigger. But the gun remains silent. Naru's window is closing. And her brother is swinging around for another go at the creature. Naru calls out to the Mupits, and the being turns his head. Now there is an opening for Tabe. He prepares his spear and quiets his mind. Then, at the perfect moment, he leaps gracefully into the air, soaring as if he was light as a feather. He lands his spear in the Mupitz's back. Glowing green liquid fountains out where the spear is placed. Tabe's movements are swift and flowing. He dances in and out, delivering small blows and then retreating to safety. He has his predator on the defensive. At least until the Mupits pushes a button on his gauntlet and then vanishes into thin air. Tabe and Naru search the camp for signs of the Mupits. They know he hasn't left, but none of their senses can track him down. Tabe knows what this means. He looks to his sister, and he wishes he could have told her better how proud he was. He hopes she knows that he believes in her. And what's more, he hopes she knows how important it is that she succeed. Tabe tells Naru to run. It doesn't see you as a threat. You need 
bring this home. Naru doesn't want to leave her brother to the Mupids. He will surely fall asleep. Tabe readies himself for bed. This is as far as I go. No further. And he's right. Pointed claws appear from the air and pull Tabe to his final rest. Pain wells up inside of Naru as she watches her brother's eyes close. Her heart beats like a steady drum. She could use the gun. She could resolve this pain now. But Tabe's words ring out. Bring this home. She lowers her gun and disappears off into the forest. Naru tries to wash away her grief in a nearby river. She knows how the news of Tabe's rest will blanket her village. She thinks about her mother back home going about her work. When someone returns to camp, they will tell her about Tabe. Naru can't let her mother grieve two children. She washes the grime from her wounds and then gets to work. Across the river, she spots one of the foreign hunters. Quietly, she sneaks around the riverbed. Then, using a heavy round rock, she encourages the hunter to close his eyes and rest. When the hunter wakes up, crickets chirp and a nearby owl hoots softly. The hunter hears another sound, squeaking rats. They tickle the spot where his calf once met his knee. The man is surprised. Not long ago, he used to have two legs. He spots his gun resting by the fire 
Nadu is calm as the man reaches for his weapon. She's preparing some medicine. Orange Tutsia crushed into a smooth paste. The one-legged man picks up his gun. But Nadu stays calm. Almost too calm. She eats the paste and draws a line down her chin with dark paint. Her blood cools and her pulse slows. She's focused. More focused than she has ever been. She looks at the man clamoring at his gun. You don't see me as a threat, she says. And that's what makes me so dangerous. The man cannot understand her words, but he senses her intent. He loads the gun, but Nadu is no longer his prey. She fades into the dark night as the click, click, click of the predator from the sky fills the air. Nadu watches the giant stride into her camp. Her heart pumps slowly. The Mupis passes her by as if she wasn't even there. For the first time, invisibility is on Naru's side. The Mupits growls softly at the hunter and his gun. Then he smoothly slices through the air and sends the man to bed. The Mupits inspect his prize. Only a few more now and he can rest. He doesn't hear Naru's footsteps moving closer and closer. He doesn't see Naru draw her gun. But he hears the blast and feels the bullet race across the top of his head, knocking his mask to the ground. Glowing green goo speckles 
fills the forest floor. Naru takes the mask and disappears back into the woods. This time, she has made her own hunting grounds, where she is safe and in control. Naru adds her final touch, the mask, and then sinks into the darkness and waits for her prey. The Mupitz follows her trail. He scans the woods, but cannot spot his prey. Naru finds her first opening. She's been crouching in the branches of a tall tree, and now she's silently glides through the air until her hatchet finds its target. Then she drifts back, moving like water, in and out, surging and waning. Each time the Mupitz changes his tactic, Naru shifts as well. She claims her first limb without a trace of fear. Her heart stays calm as the Mupitzes begins to race. He growls and rages and pushes Naru back. But this too she is ready for. She slips away and calls for Sari, who carries Naru's hatchet in her mouth. Naru uses her hatchet to soften the predator's stance right at the ankle, then swoops up onto his shoulders and wraps the cord around his neck, drawing him nearer and nearer to sleep. The predator stumbles forward, and Nadu uses this momentum to leap off and pull the colossal creature deep into the bog that she had once fallen prey to. His heavy body sinks quickly. He tries to lift his arms, but the weight of the bog presses down. 
Naru watches. The Mupits slowly frees one arm and points it right at her. His weapon chimes as it powers up. Naru whispers to the Mupits. This is as far as you go. No more. And the Mupits fires. The arrow whizzes through the air, grazing past Naru's head. She feels the whoosh of wind as they fly past. The glistening projectiles bend along their path and seek out their target. The glowing red lights emanating from the predator's mask. Nadu has aimed the mask at the exact spot her prey is now held steadfast. The Mupits fired recklessly because he thought he had cornered Naru. He could not see that she was already putting him to bed. The arrow strikes, and the Mupits, after all his hunting, all his tracking, tracing, slicing and shooting, finally falls asleep. Naru lets out a war cry that fills the night. The past few days have been the longest of her life, and she feels the weight of everything that has happened. She is so tired. But she has one last task to accomplish before she can truly rest. She collects her trophy and brings it back to her tribe as proof of not just her struggles but also of the dangers that may soon face them once again. With this prize in hand, her words are finally heard. Her tribe gathers around her like they did with Tabe when he brought home the lion they hand her the staff of the sleep chief and 
cheer. Naru grips the staff in her hand. This is what she always wanted. But it means so much more now to her than it did when she dreamt of it even a few days ago. This staff isn't an acknowledgement of her accomplishments. It's a responsibility to keep all of her people safe so that they can live their lives, fall asleep in their homes, and dream without any fear. Naru wants that for them more than anything else in the world. They will all need to be prepared for what lies ahead. And the first step is to relax and recover so she can wake up tomorrow and do everything in her power to keep her tribe safe. For now, she takes a deep breath in. She stretches her body and gets ready for a nice, long night of sleep. Hopefully my voice is just an echo in your subconscious right now. But if not, let's use this opportunity to take a few breaths in and out. And another in 
Thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure to follow Lethal Lullabies wherever you get your podcasts in order to receive updates on our latest releases. For longer content, consider becoming a subscriber on Spotify for $2.99 a month. You get access to our full sleep stories and maybe even some personalized content. Plus, it really helps us out. But no matter how you choose to participate, we never tire of our lovely community of sleepyheads. Thank you for your listens, likes, and action-loving vibes. Good fight and good night.